One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to The Shift podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and author, Sam Baker. This week's podcast comes to you from an ironing board in a Liverpool hotel. Seriously, it's the first time I've used an ironing board in decades. Anyway, the impromptu ironing board studio didn't phase my guest, the beloved novelist, Marion Keyes. All these hormones that kept me in equilibrium for three decades suddenly began a retreat and I think emotionally it really affected me. That's the thing about Marion. She speaks the truth. She can't not speak the truth, which is why she's sold over 35 million books. The latest of which is the frankly fabulous and immensely truth-telly number one bestseller, Grown Ups. Over the next 45 minutes, she'll tell the truth about menopause and how different it would be if it happened to men, invisibility, infertility, grief, HRT, Botox, and learning to be shameless in her 50s. This episode is not to be missed. I'm sat in a hotel room, four floors above Liverpool city centre, with the divine Marion Keys. We're in the middle of her tour. Well, she's nearing the end now. We're in Leeds last night, Liverpool tonight, and it's all glamour. Our mic is perched on an ironing board. I haven't used an ironing board for about 30 years. I don't know about you, Marion. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I never really believed in ironing. No, but it's like falling off a bike once you know how to put one up. Yes. This is the living proof. You never forget how to do it. So, Marion, before we get into the nitty gritty of the big M word, let's talk a little bit about your best-selling new book, Grown Ups. Okay. Yeah, it's called Grown Ups and the title is sort of ironic in that I'm 56 and I'm still waiting to feel that feeling of confidence and sureness and answerable to nobodiness that I thought being grown up would actually be. And instead, I feel as uncertain and worried and ill-equipped for the world as I always did. So I've written a book about people who look like grown ups on the outside, but have those same feelings they had when they were younger. Do you think anybody feels grown up? I've wondered about that. I mean, I do think there are kind of outliers, if that's how you pronounce it. Is it outliers or outliers? There are exceptions. I think people with kind of abnormally strong self-belief 
just people who are kind of unnaturally confident, they probably think... They probably think that. Yeah. And I think if people have been kind of given privilege Mm. and have always been told that they're wonderful and, you know, life works smoothly for them as a result of their privilege, they probably feel like they are making it happen themselves. A proper grown-up needs to be very humble. I think humility and acceptance are true grown-up qualities. And I think very few people have them. People who have them don't acknowledge that this is actually what grown-up means. I remember when I was a kid in the 70s, that's how old I am, I'm thinking, oh, when the millennium comes, mm. I'm going to be 34. I might as well be dead. That's so yes, old. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, I look back and it was nothing. My 30s were so young. I know, it's depressing. (laughs) Yeah, but at the same time, I think age has changed. And that 50s is still young. Yeah, totally. And that's not just because we are 50s. Yeah. No, like the world has changed. The idea of like a woman, the minute she hit 40, she was like, a goner she became completely invisible and she was meant to act like she was like on the brink of death there was meant to be nothing spontaneous or enjoyable or opinionated in her life she was just meant to kind of be a thing and not a person any longer so you mentioned invisibility so let's talk about that since you've been in your 50s have you started to feel that much vaunted invisibility kicking in you see i always felt invisible i am not a noticeable person i just don't have that light that young women have i think people only ever really notice me after they've been speaking to me for a while i've always had this kind of invisibility cloak like i've always been ignored in shops or overlooked by men. Is that really true? Or is no, that... it's really true. Like, it's really true. I know it sounds revisionist, maybe. No, it's no, like no. It, it was the case. Yeah, I didn't have the confidence. You know, I wasn't confident kind of in my body. And I never dressed in a way that was kind of provocative or glamorous. So there hasn't been that awful loss that I know a lot of women feel once they get to a certain age and maybe they feel that they were very beautiful when they were younger and suddenly that part of them isn't there anymore. I've never had that. Do you remember the Amy Schumer sketch, The Last Fuckable Fuckable Day? Day. I think everybody I know found that hysterically funny. But I think the reality is if you've never been or defined yourself or thought that you were fuckable, then you don't feel its loss in the same way. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I always thought I was a woman who depended on my personality more than my looks. So I have never felt unfuckable after a certain age because I never really felt that fuckable in the first place. (laughs) That isn't kind of false modesty. It is Mm. simply that my looks were not my defining characteristic. Yeah, they weren't your currency. No, they weren't my currency ever. I think to a certain extent, even if they weren't, there is that moment when you're literally, a door is shut in your face when you're going into a shop or someone oh, yeah. knocks you into the road. I know, and they don't apologise. Yeah, like you're truly, nothing. I haven't yeah. seen you. And yeah. you think, oh my God, I properly am invisible. Yeah, it's not a nice feeling. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. So let's talk a bit about the dreaded N-word. Let's talk about the menopause. Okay. I know you love it. Well, I do remember, like, having really heavy periods. And, like, jokingly, I used to say, roll on the menopause. Because they were incredibly debilitating. They were painful and they were exhausting. And I felt sick 
for two or three days every month. And the idea of them stopping was quite attractive. I don't really know when the menopause first started for me, but when I was 45, almost 46, I had a terrible bout of very poor mental health. And it's only looking back that I wonder if that was something to do with the menopause. Because the menopause is like adolescence in reverse. Mm. Like it's an incredibly powerful thing to happen to a person. All these hormones that kept me in equilibrium for three decades suddenly began a retreat. And I think emotionally it really affected me. Subsequently, I've heard other women talk about it. The depression, also the incredible anxiety. And I still have not been able to find out enough about the menopause. There is no definitive guide to what oestrogen does and what a kind of a sudden removal of it does to a body. But I've heard so many women talk anecdotally about anxiety, insomnia and depression Mm. happening around the age of 45, 46, that it really makes me think it's real. The number of women I've spoken to who said, yeah, I knew to expect hot flushes. Yeah, we've all heard about hot sweats and it's all a bit ho-ho. Oh, you're a middle-aged woman, you're a crack a joke. Yes, and I mean... I know we're getting off the topic of the emotional side, but it absolutely enrages me the way that menopausal women are presented as a joke, as people to be mocked, as like, ho, ho, there they go, smashing plates and being angry and growing hair on their chin. When you think of how teenagers are, are nurtured through adolescence, you know, and into early teenagehood, like they're really, really taken care of now because everybody knows that they're going through something confusing and huge, like the upheaval is terrible. But menopausal women don't get anything like that nurturing or support or sympathy or understanding. We're a joke. It's like, haha, she's going through the change. There she is, losing her temper and refusing to cook the dinner. Well, I think, isn't it? It's probably because adolescence is the beginning and menopause is like seen as the end, which yeah. of course it isn't, but it's like the end of your fertility, usefulness. Yeah. Oh. yeah, but it shouldn't be seen as the end of anything. It should be seen as a transition mm. that is incredibly unpleasant for an awful lot of women. And yes, there are women who, you know, who are very proud to say, I sailed through it, you know, oh. and good for them, yeah. lovely for them. But just because they sailed through, they don't have the right to kind of diminish the experience of women who really suffer going through it. And uh, I've said this before, but if menopause happened to men, they would be given 10 years off work between the ages yeah. of 45 and 55. And and they would be treated with compassion, with gentleness, with understanding. The medicine that they wanted would be made available. The therapy they needed, their lives would be made easier. Well, it would be seen as a rite of passage as well, wouldn't it? It absolutely would, would into, into wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Into being the matriarch, into having survived this long and having learned so much about life and being able to help younger people with all that we have learned. Yeah, it's like if you think about everything that we've been through by mm. our age, whether it's losing people, yeah. infertility, you yeah. know, job loss, Jobs. redundancy, yeah. loss of, of parents are not. We've accumulated so much and so much wisdom and we've learned that so much is survivable. So instead of being regarded as vessels of wisdom, which mm. we are, we're just kind of set aside 
And Snigridash. Do you think that's why people are disinclined to talk about it? I'm not exactly sure why people are disinclined to talk about it, but I know people are. The way people are uncomfortable talking about periods, it seems unseemly somehow. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but the fact that it's female and it's got to do with the loss of lush, bountiful, fertile Mm -hmm. womanhood. Obviously, I suppose women are so valued in terms of their femininity that perhaps people are scared away by women who are allegedly past that, you know, who don't have beauty or lushness, freshness, youth, whatever to offer. You look quite lush to me still. Thank you, Sam. But I'm on HRT and I've had Botox and I dye my hair. I have hair extension. That's because you want to, though. It's absolutely because I want to. External pressure or is it? Oh, not at all. No, it's not internalized misogyny. I mean, I'm on HRT to try and keep my mental health steady. Mm. I found the idea of being menopausal freeing, being free from monthly periods is just such a a lovely idea. But now I am so grateful to feel okay psychologically, Mm. emotionally, that that's what HRT does for me. And I mean, the hair extensions are just because I thought it would be fun. And the Botox is because I had such a frowny forehead and it made me look really cross and disapproving. I'm really peering yeah. your Oh, no, no, no. Now. You see, but it is smooth as a lake, my dear. Yeah. Frown for me. I can't. No, no, I can't. <laughs> I mean, it's all true. I can't have to squint up my eyes, but my forehead isn't moving. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's not anything that I apologize for. And it's not so much the anti-aging thing I'm doing it for. Although maybe I am, because maybe the frown is a, a sign of age. But I just wanted to look more, what's the word, inviting. Yeah, but it's like, what the hell, anyway, each to their own. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, I know that it has been impossible to resist those messages that women are most admired when they are smooth and young and, and beautiful and slim or skinny. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I've internalised all that. And I know as a feminist that those messages are really wrong. Nevertheless, I forgive myself for the parts of me that have that internalised, subconscious, unconscious, whatever, misogyny, where I berate myself for not being skinny and I wish that my forehead wasn't frowny. You know, I'm really and truly, I don't feel like a bad feminist. I acknowledge that I am a feminist to the best of my abilities living in a patriarchal society. I mean, your whole life as a woman, pretty much everything you do is wrong. Yes, yes, absolutely too too thin. thin, Or you shouldn't be on a diet, or you shouldn't admit you're on a diet, or Or you're too opinionated, or you're not clever enough. I really felt like with the menopause, that really reached a peak when, at the point when I had, not a breakdown like you, but a... you know, real, really chronic anxiety. My confidence was through the floor. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. You know, I'd completely, I'd lost sight of myself completely. Yes, yes. And my reaction was to go to my gynecologist because I was lucky stroke unlucky enough to already have a gynecologist. Right. I had loads of, loads of girl problems. God um, love you. So I'd, you know, gone private. So I, yeah. I, I went to her, went straight to her and just went, give me the pills. Yes. But 
there was all this like external noise you know mm. it's like you're a tool of the patriarchy because yes. you're taking hrt yeah so you literally got you know some burke on the internet yes and your mum and the, your friend who thinks it's the wrong thing and your friend who yeah. thinks it's the right thing, thing. yeah and, you know the judgy yeah. feminist and yes it's like whoa for once in my life even at this point when society yeah. thinks i'm no use anymore yeah still, I still got an opinion about yes. what i do yes yes it's very very frustrating and you're right in that there are so many people who are adamant that hrt is wrong and for me i don't know if i'd still be here and the idea of coming off it absolutely terrifies me because of what it would do to my mental health And then there are the people who tell me, oh, yes, I am bound to get breast cancer. But that apparently is not true, that there was a version of HRT some years ago that contained Premarin, which could have contributed to breast cancer. But what I'm on does not contain it. Everybody you speak to, I mean, that's one of the things about menopause, isn't it? Everybody you speak to has a different opinion. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, there's a, the other school of thought, which is that if you don't take HRT, then you're more likely to get osteoporosis. Yeah. And UTIs. Yeah. Yes. Know, yeah. That and like, we should be entitled individually to make our own mind up. And as you say, everyone has an opinion but nevertheless, there is an awful dearth of information. Yeah. I mean, I find it incredibly frustrating. I would like to know what would happen if I dropped my dose or if I attempted to come out of it, come off it completely. And I can't get it. There is such murkiness. I suppose nobody has thought it important enough to definitively give information yeah, I think um, I've actually met a lot of people who swear by Louise Newsom. Um, oh. in I think she's based in Stratford. But like I said, it's like so many... Everybody you speak to has, has a slightly yeah. different view. How did you go through your GP? I did initially. Yeah, I did. And she took uh, blood. And apparently it's very hard to, to tell if you're in menopause. But apparently it showed up that I was, which was great. And so I started on both of them, progesterone and oestrogen. And uh, and it took a long time to get my dose right. And and eventually it did. It's like a lot of things related to women's health. If you're probably, in order to get a really full and frank opinion, yeah. it, you're going to have to pay for it. It's, yeah. it's almost like I was interviewing someone for the book, The Shift, and, and she was saying it's almost like we're being entitled, expecting quality of life. I know, my God, exactly, yes. And it's, yeah. you know, am I going to spend £300 on a, what do you call a, it, a private, consultation? Yeah, yeah. And HRT, which you have it, get it privately, it costs mm. you 80 quid instead of eight. Yes, in, yeah. In the UK. UK yeah. Um, and then, or, you know, a pair of shoes or Yes, whatever, yes, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. It, so those two things are not comparable. No, they're not. And again... You know, to come back to what I said about the men, if they got the equivalent of the menopause, they would be supported. They would get whatever they needed medically. Sure would. If you don't mind, let's talk about body image Mm. a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you write, every time you write a book, really, it comes up. But how have you found the menopause impacted on that? Badly. It's a stinker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
my body shape has changed. It's all gone to my stomach. You know, I put on weight far more easily than I used to. And I always did anyway. Yeah, it's just so much harder. And, you know, I started working with a personal trainer and I put on weight and I got bigger, you oh, know, because God. I was hungry. Oh, you were putting, but also were you putting on muscle? So that would I don't think women. I was. I think I was just hungrier. <laughs> and it's just so kind of annoying when you do the alleged right thing. And I mean, I wasn't doing it for for the laugh, like I was doing it to lose weight. And so that was really frustrating. But yeah, it is You know, it's always been a struggle for me, always. But the struggle is far harder now. And there are times when I think, you know, just give it up. Just surrender. Just let it be. Be how you are in the body you're in, which has served you much better than you have ever given it credit for. You know, I wish I could be kinder to my body. Uh, But again, you know, I am... I have internalised those messages, like... And it's very hard to rationalise past them. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's not helped really, is it, by the way that the only women over 50-ish that you see on the whole are, I saw them described in something I read, I saw them described in the awful way as perennials. Oh, oh. women who don't age. Right, right, right. And so instead of saying, I mean, there's the whole good for your age thing. Yes, yes, yes. If anybody actually said, you know what, you are going to put on an inch around your middle and that is how it is and yeah. you can fight like hell if that's what you want to do but yeah. it's probably not going to make any bloody difference. difference yeah and that's okay because yes you know that the what's held up as attractive is ultimately 20 i know yes yes and i am almost four dec- decades past that do you feel like what do you think about representation of women older women in the media and in in society and 
movies. Yeah, I mean, you don't see. You either see the likes of Julianne Moore, who is just so ridiculously beautiful. And she is not the norm. Or else you see, you know, somebody who is probably the same age as her, but acting a lot older. There aren't any women that I feel, oh, that's me. Because when I asked on Instagram, um, a lot of people cited you. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Really? Really, really, yeah. Oh, that's very nice. Because you're, you know, you're a successful, visible, older, a bit older. Yeah, struggling woman. Yeah. You're honest about how it feels, but you still look pretty great. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I think the one thing that I haven't done is I haven't really changed how I dress. You know, Mm. I like beautiful clothes. I like beautiful things. And it's an awful lot harder now to find things that suit me. But I will still persevere because it makes me feel joyous. It makes me happy. And I know that I will never be, you know, eight and a half stone again. You know, I will never look the way and that the awful tragedy was like when I was 20 25 30 I hated how I looked I thought I was horrible but yeah and I mean the thing I suppose with the hair extensions there's no law I mean that is probably it's better for us than it was for our mothers Mm. in that like there is no law that the minute you hit 40 you get the cauliflower helmet hairdo you know that you can still have long hair and that nobody will are, are, are the people who judge you or would judge you? Yeah. Uh, they don't make me feel silly. You know, I feel... I've I'm definitely a... had comments, though, about uh, when you're going to get your hair cut. I'm like, uh, never. never. Yeah, never. absolutely never. No, and anyone who asks that, it's incredibly rude. Yeah. I mean, that is a personal question. And that's, again, you know, that women's images, women's bodies, women's looks are regarded as public property. Mm. Like that everyone feels entitled to have an opinion, to, to say whatever they want, to, to insult you, um, to, uh, to give you well-meaning advice, you know. But actually, nobody has any right to have any opinion on any woman's appearance. And I do think there has been a shift towards that. You know, you can see it in social media Mm. that like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was considered ha 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 and acceptable to criticise a woman for allegedly, you know, being overweight. I think there's been a real move away from that now. And it is regarded as very bad form. And it really does shock me now when people tell me, how I should look, you know, and I, and you know, and I'm quite stroppy about it, which is maybe another lovely thing about the menopause, yes. you know, that kind of willingness to stand up for myself, you know, for so long, it was so easy to shame me into silence. And now it isn't, you know, now I am 56 and I have learned that my opinion is valid and that other people are sometimes rude and clueless and that when they are, I am very much within my rights to slap them down. I think that is one of the things that I love the most. Actually, yes. About menopause. Yes. It's like thinking about, because the podcast is called The Shift and the book is yes. called The Shift. Yeah. And it's really about, yeah, there are all these shitty things like you get yeah. a bigger waist and you have hot flushes and all of that. Yeah, and But anxiety. out the other side, it's a yeah. real kind of 
newfound confidence and a, a sense yeah. of who I am, who I am, and what I'm entitled to, and what I don't have to take, and yeah, and a certain fearlessness. Yes, yeah, exactly. and a kind of a comfort with saying uncomfortable things. I mean, I don't mean to go around and deliberately upset people, but to sometimes state the truth in a way that will unsettle people or, yeah, or or, or just kind of knock them back on their feet a little bit because they're just not expecting a woman who looks meek to to come out with something fairly mouthy. It's like one of those things, um, it's like I've heard estrogen called the biddability hormone. Yes, yes, yes. And it is a little bit like you do reach a point where you think it's not my job to make you feel okay. comfortable yeah. or good. Yeah, or yes. That, that's your job. It's yes. not my job anymore. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to go around and start rouse for the laugh. But if something needs to be said, it will be said. And I don't have to take responsibility for how it's received. Do you feel like the stuff that we can learn from millennial women? Oh my God, so much. I adore them. I think they are so different from the way I was. I mean, things like the fat positivity movement and, uh, and, and fat neutral movement. Where like, and I love the way they will wear what they want. And it doesn't matter if they're not the the size eight that modeled it in the first place if they like something they'll wear it and they won't apologize for not having the quote perfect body i think they're so good on the language used to describe women they have taken ownership of the language used to describe women's appearance um and they just they won't stand for being mocked or being insulted you know, I mean, when I was 25, if I walked past a group of lads and they did the ho-ho and there she goes, fatty or whatever, I would have scurried away in tears of shame. But they don't stand for that. You know, they're wonderful. I get so much courage from them and I, I am so heartened by their confidence. Did you t- Did you talk to old women about it? I did, but old woman tried HRT and it really didn't agree with her. Um, yeah, so she went through it without any help. And and she did talk about the depression and the hot sweats. She's funny. Like, you know, she is in many ways not a healthy person. But other things she's absolutely, you know, tough as old boots about. I mean, I think partly like her generation were told like to be alive is to suffer, you know. Mm. And I mean, I think she really kind of took that on board. But she didn't think it was that big a deal. But she did agree with me about the depression that 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 she got before she knew what was going on for her. So you did have similar in a way. Yes, it was nice to have that kind of endorsed. That's interesting because you're the eldest, aren't you? So you, I am first of your sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you mind me asking you? Because neither of us have had children. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was very much what will be will be. Yes. So we didn't have um IVF. Yeah. Well, we won't try not to get pregnant. Yes. Um, 
and I didn't get pregnant. And that, so that's it's just was life. But one yeah. of the things that really struck me when I was in the midst of perimenopause was the kind of I think mourning. Yeah. Was only, and I, I was not expecting it because I was very peaceful. Yeah. With the fact that I hadn't been able to have children. Yeah. Um, and I really wasn't expecting that sense Sorrow. of this is really it. Yeah. It's yes. not going to happen now. Yeah. Yeah, I've had it a few times, you know. I, I mean, but I had sort of gone through the grief earlier. Well, I mean, I suppose around the age of 40, which isn't young, really, for a first child. But I'd had about, I don't know, maybe three or four years to kind of get used to it. And obviously, the older I got, the more I realised it was less and less likely. And... Not really around perimenopausal time, but the odd time, I have thought, oh my God, it's really, it's really not going to happen. And there has been more sorrow about that, that like the door was always open. There was always a chance. And then kind of being whacked by maybe my 48th birthday. I think that's it. You know, that's, it's really, and yeah, definitely it did. It did hit me anew. Yeah, I remember the gynecologist saying to me, before actually it started to kick in, when I was there, we were discussing whether or not I was going to have a hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, and God, she was thing. in there with the ultrasound, you know. Mm. You're kind of lying there, legs akimbo. The, yeah. The ultrasound stuck up you. And she's looking at the screen and she's like, oh, no, I don't think you need to have that because you're almost all out of eggs. Oh, like, you yes. know, she was looking in a fridge or yes. something. Yes, yeah, the casual description yeah. of your fertility she wasn't being cruel Me, it was no. just, just know, a kind of a, a dispassionate of for yeah her. and I kind of went you know oh okay and it wandered yeah. off to work and afterwards I thought oh yeah then it hit you yeah yeah it's a re- it's a really strange thing and I think it must be I don't know whether it's worse it must be worse for people who've really tried, and tried, and yeah. tried and tried and tried yeah, I know. I sort of, yeah, it must be, but I had sort of already made my peace with this. I had this almost superstitious fear of asking for too much from life. So it was just occasional that the sorrow would get me. Oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, my sister in law had a baby three weeks ago, and just, just that kind of, I don't know, the, the beauty, the miracle of it all was just, uh, yeah, I did definitely feel those pangs of, you know, it never happened and it will never happen. But then it doesn't stay, you know, that sorrow doesn't stay, which I'm so grateful for. Do you feel that you're treated differently from, well, I mean, of course, we're all treated differently from men. But have you felt through the ageing process that you've been treated differently from men? You're married to a silver fox, after all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's lovely. Love him. I know he puts up with so much. Um, <laughs> Do you mean sexually or in any way? Uh, I think just in any way. I mean, what many of the women I've spoken to have said they feel like, you know, men get to 50 and they're in their prime. Oh, God, right, right, right. Okay, I'm definitely not in my prime. <laughs> you um, totally are, oh, Mrs. Number One. Oh, well, that, I mean, thank you, yes. I mean, am I treated differently? I, okay, I think there is sometimes a gap between when I'm opinionated 
the diff, you know, the gap between how opinionated I can be sometimes and how meek I look. I think people are quite startled by that and they don't like it. They don't like a meek woman being complainy. But that's the thing, isn't it? If you're a woman, it's complaining. Yeah, when a man, you're being assertive. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if if you get put in a crappy room in a hotel or like, or, you know, if your train is cancelled or something like that, people are really not warm. I suppose maybe they wouldn't be warm anyway. People do not like a woman who complains. You know, I've definitely noticed that. And the fact is, I am less likely to be silent about... I was going to say injustice, not injustice, but, but, you know, inefficiencies. And you can see, I can see people looking at me thinking, they're thinking, look at the state of her. You know, <laughs> no, no, but they are. And they're thinking, how dare she? Who the hell is she? She's nobody. She's just this, this middle-aged woman. They're thinking, how dare she be so entitled? entitled. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you've, people don't like it. You've definitely got a lot bolder, though, in the time oh, I've have. known you. I haven't I, Sam? Haven't I? Yes. Yeah, and maybe the last five years, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I have really evolved. And I mean, that probably is as a result of getting older, getting more free from the expectations of others. And, you know, an awful lot of people have helped me. And... Some of the people who have helped me have been the, the millennials, you know, because I see how brave they are and the flack they take. Yeah, because you've got definitely got more political. Oh, I have. You see, the thing is, I was always political, but I was afraid. I mean, you know, like when you interviewed me back in 2015, like I was afraid to talk about, you know, wanting abortion legalised in Ireland. Mm. And then by the time the referendum came in 2018, in 18, I had... Yeah, become I was out there, which was the most wonderful feeling to be free from fear and to be free from the fear of judgment of others is just one of the most joyous things that has ever happened to me in my life. Um, so there is a lot to be said about getting older and and just I was going to say, you know, choosing not to care, but it's not that it was visited upon me like a form of grace you know, just one of those benefits of just living long enough and mm. seeing that other people's anger or other people's judgment is utterly survivable. And ultimately, it's not even important. Yeah, it's really interesting. Would you say that's the best thing about getting older? Very much so. And just the ability to stand up for myself in micro situations. You know, like if you're on the tube and somebody is sitting down and they have a bag on the seat next to them and they see you standing and they're making no signs of moving it. I will, I will be very comfortable in asking them politely to move their bag. Whereas I would have been afraid. You know, so all those little situations, I am not at all afraid. That's lovely. Yes. You know, I can't be reduced to a mute, shame-filled ball of nothing by a snarky look or an unpleasant word if I know I'm in the right. That's a lovely feeling. You seem much, much less inclined to shame yourself than you would have done. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't like myself when I behave badly. I don't like upsetting others. I really don't. But there are times when people will put their own shame on me, like you know, toxic shame. 
And I, I don't have to take it. I don't. If I feel like I've done nothing wrong, I am not going to hurt myself because somebody else has an issue. That's lovely. It's a great thing. What's your favourite age that you've been? Let me see. 2015. 51. 51? Yeah. Why is that? Because I just come out of the really bad spell of of terrible mental health. And I felt like I'd come back to life in so many ways. And I had spent a lot of time being afraid of meeting people or, or being kind of away from home. And suddenly I felt full of joy and full of love. And I met so many women, you know, including you. I made friends with fabulous feminist women around that time, you know, and I was welcomed. And it was like this incredible rejuvenation. Yeah, I made new friends. And I felt like I had redefined myself as as a person, as a friend, as a wife, as a writer, as an activist, as a person, you know, as a feminist. Yeah, it was, and you know, that has kind of stayed, mm. that feeling of feeling connected and, and alive and opinionated. I really love when there are iniquities to lend my voice to calling them out and to do other things like, I'm so supportive of other female writers because they get such a raw deal compared to male writers. And I use my platform to to big them up. You know, I'm proud of those things that I do. And that all kind of goes back to, to 51, 52. You know, it's four years on now. And I'm a, a better person. I'm a better feminist. And maybe truer to yourself. Maybe. Much, 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 much more. Yeah, like of all that kind of shackles of, you know, having been brought up a Catholic, it's all fallen away. There is nothing left there to scare me. None of them can say anything to me anymore. You know, I I am un- unshameable. I am shameless, <laughs> as they would doubtless call me, yeah. you know. They doubtless would, but you mean that in a totally yeah, different I do, way. Yeah, I do, I do, I do, oh. yeah. There's just a few questions that I always ask sure. at the end. First of all, can you recommend a book? Three Women by Lisa Taggio. Yeah. So good. It's utterly amazing. I mean, it's just real women talking about their sexuality in a way that I've never really read it before. It's just so honest. And it just, it gives sexual longing back to women. Like you are given permission. All women have been, you know, anyone who reads it is given permission to feel their sexual urges and to never feel that it's unfemale or, you know, unladylike, that dread, I'm using that kind of yeah. ironically. Yeah, that, I think it, that has helped me again so much. What one thing would you like to tell younger women? You're beautiful as you are. I mean, you'll never be more beautiful than, than right now. And don't be comparing yourself to those unachievable, you know, role models. Again, I use that ironically your skin is beautiful your hair is beautiful you are full of hope you have no idea how fresh and joyous you are savor every second of being you what would your superpower be my superpower i suppose i'd like to take away for all women any self-talk about weight and size and fat. I'd love that. My God, we'd all be so happy. Oh, yeah, that, that terrible voice wasn't yes. in your head. So yeah, you look at imagine. The state of you. Yeah, like we'd have so much more energy. We'd be so happy. That voice in your head, whose voice is it? 
for you? About the weight? Yeah. It's my dad's. Your dad's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had such a thing about it. Really? In himself and everyone else. Oh, no. I know. I know. And I don't know where it came from him. You know, he struggled with food. Like, food was definitely his painkiller. And and I don't know where his fat phobia came from. But it was always there. All through your childhood. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And teenage... You know, I feel a bit disloyal saying it because he's not here. But, I mean, I used to say it to him when he was alive. And he was a lovely dad. Mm. But, you know... Parents aren't perfect and they shouldn't be expected to be. And he gave me an awful lot that was good as well. He gave me so much and he he was responsible for me getting sober and he was so proud of my writing career and um, he was so proud of me in other ways. That is his entire dadness, you know, no, mm. no parent is per- perfect and we shouldn't expect them to be. Do you have any um, old bird role models? I mean... I suppose a lot of the women in Ireland who, um, like Alva Smith, who had campaigned for repeal since 1983, you know, people like, I suppose people who are passionate about women's rights really inspire me and, and I'm so grateful to them and I don't want to let them down. So I suppose Alva would be the one that I think of at the moment. Last one. How many fucks do you give? I probably give two or three, <laughs> but I used to give uh, at least a hundred, you know. So it's, it, no, I mean, I am not devoid of fucks, um, but I give far fewer than I used to. And I'm hoping, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be completely free of fucks to give, but it's so much better than it used to be. That's brilliant. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on Twitter at Sam Baker and Instagram at the other Sam Baker using the hashtag The Shift. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each week on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate and subscribe because it really does help other people find us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.